It's June 28th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and as always, my friends, I am honored that you are joining me on this journey through the one-year Bible. Let's go ahead and jump in with our Old Testament reading. As always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. This is 2 Kings chapter 13 and chapter 14. 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. Jehoaz, son of Jehu, began to rule over Israel in the 23rd year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 17 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He followed the example of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, continuing the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. So the Lord was very angry with Israel, and he allowed King Haziel of Armon and his son Ben-Hadadad to defeat them repeatedly. Then Jehoazaz prayed for the Lord's help, and the Lord heard his prayer, for he could see how severely the king of Armin was oppressing Israel. So the Lord provided someone to rescue the Israelites from the tyranny of the Arminians. Then Israel lived in safety again as they had in the former days. But they continued to sin. Following the evil example of Jeroboam, they also allowed the Asherah pole in Samaria to remain standing. Finally, Jehoaz's army was reduced to 50 chariots, 10 chariots, uh, sorry, excuse me. Finally, Jehoshaphat's army was reduced to 50 charioteers, 10 chariots, and 10,000 foot soldiers. The king of Armin had killed the others, trampling them like dust under his feet. The rest of the events in Jehoshaphat's reign, everything he did, and the extent of his power are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoahaz died, he was buried in Samaria. Then his son Jehosh became the next king. Jehoahash's son, Jehoahaz, began to rule over Israel in the 37th year of King Joash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 16 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. The rest of the events in Jehoash's reign and everything he did, including the extent of his power and his war with King Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son Jeroboam II became the next king. When Elisha was in his last illness, King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father, I see the chariots and charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, Get a bow and some arrows. And the king did as he was told. Elisha told him, Put your hand on the bow. And Elisha laid his own hands on the king's hands. Then he commanded, Open that eastern window. And he opened it. Then he said, Shoot! So he shot an arrow. Elisha proclaimed, This is the Lord's arrow, an arrow of victory over Armin, for you will completely conquer the Arminiums at Aphek. Then he said, Now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. But the man of God was angry with him. You should have struck the ground five or six times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Armin until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once, when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. King Haziel of Armin had opposed Israel during the entire reign of King Jehoaz, but the Lord was gracious and merciful to the people of Israel. They were not totally destroyed. He pitied them because of their covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to this day, he still has not completely destroyed them or banished them from his presence. King Haziel of Armin died, and his son Ben-Hadadad became the next king. 
then Joash, son of Jehoahaz, recaptured from Ben-Hadadad, son of Haziel, the towns that had been taken from Jehoash's father Jehoahaz. Jehoash defeated Ben-Hadadad on three occasions, and he recovered the Israelite towns. That concludes chapter 13. Moving on to chapter 14, verse 1. Amaz, son of Joash, began to rule over Judah in the second year of the reign of King Jehoash of Israel. Amaziah was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother was Jehoheden from Jerusalem. Um, Amaziah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, but not like his ancestor David. Instead, he followed the example of his father Joash. Amaziah did not destroy the pagan shrines, and the people still offered sacrifices and burned incense there. When Amaziah was well established as king, he executed the officials who had assassinated his father. However, he did not kill the children of the assassins, for he obeyed the command of the Lord as written by Moses in the book of the law. Parents must not be put to death for the sins of their children, nor children for the sins of their parents. Those deserving to die must be put to death for their own crimes. Amaziah also killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He also conquered Selah and changed its name to Jakotil, as it is called to this day. One day Amaziah sent messengers with this challenge to Israel's king Jehoash, the son of Jehoahaz, and grandson of Jehu. Come and meet me in battle. But King Jehoash of Israel replied to King Amaziah of Judah with this story. Out in the Lebanon mountains, a thistle sent a message to a mighty cedar tree. Give your daughter in marriage to my son. But just then a wild animal of Lebanon came by and stepped on the thistle, crushing it. You have indeed defeated Edom, and you are proud of it. But be content with your victory and stay at home. Why stir up trouble that will only bring disaster on you and the people of Judah? But Amaziah refused to listen. So King Jehoahash of Israel mobilized his army against King Amaziah of Judah. The two armies drew up their battle lines at Beth Shemesh in Judah. Judah was routed by the army of Israel, and its army scattered and fled for home. King Jehoash of Israel captured Judah's king, Amaziah, son of Joash, and grandson of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. Then he marched to Jerusalem, where he demolished 600 feet of Jerusalem's wall from Ephraim Gate to the Corner Gate. He carried off all the gold and silver and all the articles from the temple of the Lord. He also seized the treasures from the royal palace along with the hostages and then returned to Samaria. The rest of the events in Jehoash's reign and everything he did, including the extent of his power and his war with King Amaziah of Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jehoash died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel, and his son Jeroboam II became the next king. King Amaziah of Judah lived for 15 years after the death of King Joash of Israel. The rest of the events in Amaziah's reign are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Judah. There was a conspiracy against Amaziah's life in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But his enemies sent assassins after him, and they killed him there. They brought his body back to Jerusalem on a horse, and he was buried with his ancestors in the city of David. All the people of Judah had crowned Amaziah's 16-year-old son, Uzziah, as king in place of his father Amaziah. After his father's death, Uzziah rebuilt the town of Elith and restored it to Judah. Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, began to rule over Israel in the 15th year of King Amaziah's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 41 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He refused to turn from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had led Israel to commit. Jeroboam II recovered the territories of Israel between Lebohamath and the Dead Sea, just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had promised through Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. For the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, 
and that there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. And because the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel completely, he used Jeroboam II, the son of Jeash, to save them. The rest of the events in the reign of Jeroboam II and everything he did, including the extent of his power, his wars, and how he recovered for Israel, both Damascus and Hamath, which had belonged to Judah, are recorded in the book of the history of the kings of Israel. When Jeroboam II died, he was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. Then his son Zechariah became the next king. And that concludes our Old Testament reading. And as I read verse 26 and 27, ooh, it stands out to me. Let's read it one more time. For the Lord saw the bitter suffering of everyone in Israel, and that there was no one in Israel, slave or free, to help them. And because the Lord had not said he would blot out the name of Israel completely, he used Jeroboam II, the son of Jehoash, to save them. Yeah, I've mentioned it several times uh, as we've been journeying really through these king, kingly stories, 1st, 2nd Samuel and 1st, 2nd Kings, but all these stories of kings point to the fact that none of them are good enough to completely save God's people, and yet we see throughout, and even in this verse, that God wants to save his people. God doesn't need his people, he wants his people. And he raises up people to uh, be messiahs, to be saviors, if you will. And uh, we know that none of these are perfect. None of these truly save the people of God. They all fall short. And yet what we find out in the New Testament as believers in Jesus Christ is that these were always, all along, just shadows of the one that would come that would ultimately save God's people. Jesus of Nazareth, who was 100% man, yes, but he wasn't just man. He was 100% divine, 100% God. And he lived the perfect life you and I could not live died the death we deserve to die and rose again and promised if we trust in him, we could share in that resurrection. That's good news. You don't do anything to earn it. You just believe it. That's gospel. And because you believe that, you repent, meaning you turn. And now Jesus is your king. Just as David was the king, just as Jeroboam was the king, now you are not a citizen of whatever country you live in, primarily. Primarily, you are a citizen of what? The kingdom of God. And you do not listen to yourself. You do not listen to anybody else above that which the Lord your God says. Jesus now shows you the way to life. He does what only God can do, and yet he's 100% human, and he shows us what it means to be fully and truly human. Yeah. First, second Kings, as we read this, it all points to that man who would come and ultimately save God's people. Now, moving on to the New Testament. Acts chapter 18, verse 23, through chapter 19, verse 12. Acts chapter 18, verse 23. After spending some time in Antioch, Paul went back through Galatia and Figuria, visiting and strengthening all the believers. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, an eloquent speaker, who knew the scriptures well, had arrived in Ephesus from Alexandria in Egypt. He had been taught the way of the Lord, and he taught others about Jesus with an enthusiastic spirit and with accuracy. However, he knew only about John's baptism. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. I love that. Like, what if we did that with one another? You know, so often with doctrine, if, if we don't like what people do, we just, we get mad at them or we walk away or, you know, whatever you want to do, call them heretics. And yet, in the early church, what do we see? This guy, he's preaching. He obviously loves Jesus. He's enthusiastic. And uh, Priscilla and Aquila don't stop the sermon. They just wait till it's over. And they go over and they say, oh man, you're preaching boldly. Now, now, hey, let me explain this to you because there's even more that you need to know here. Yeah. Yeah, what... what what if the church looked like that today? Can you imagine? There wouldn't be so much hatred going on. 
Anyways, verse 27. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Archaea, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate, using the scriptures. He explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. That concludes chapter 18. Moving on to chapter 19, verse 1. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about twelve men in all. Then Paul went to the synagogue and preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message, and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue and took the believers with him. Then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannius. This went on for the next two years, so that people throughout the providence of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Now, if you've been listening uh, to the reading today, that should sound really familiar. Yeah, in our Old Testament, remember Elisha's bones, what happened when a dead man was thrown in and they touched his bones, they came to life. So anointed that just touching his dead bones brought somebody to life. We get that same kind of image here of Paul. You just touch his handkerchief or touch an apron that he had merely touched and sick people were healed. It's just an amazing sign of anointing that God had on his life as he had on the life of Elisha. I love when the one-year Bible um, just happens to match up like that. You know, I don't think they plan it that way. It would be hard to plan 365 days that way, but yeah, days like this, it, it's really cool when it does that. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs 18, verses 2 and 3. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Oh, man. Amen. You guys all have a friend on Facebook like that, don't you? Just knows everything about politics, everything about life. <laughs> Some of you might watch TV shows with people like this. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Yeah, we all know a guy like that. And if you're like, I don't know a guy like that. I'm sorry, my friend, but you're that guy. Verse 3. Doing wrong leads to disgrace, and scandalous behavior brings contempt. And finally, we will be reading Psalm 146 in a posture of prayer. This is the 146th Psalm, almost to the end of all of the Psalms. And then, of course, we will start them over. Verse 1. Praise the Lord. Let all that I am praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God with my dying breath. Don't put your confidence in powerful people. There is no help for you there. When they breathe their last, they return to the earth, and all their plans die with them. But joyful are those who have the God of Israel as their helper, whose help is in the Lord their God. He made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. He keeps every promise forever. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down 
The Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners among us. He cares for the orphans and widows. But he frustrates the plans of the wicked. The Lord will reign forever. He will be your God, O Jerusalem, throughout the generations. Praise the Lord. Yes, Lord, I want to right now, specifically thinking of verse 8, where it says the Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. I want to I want to lift those people up. I know there are people listening right now who are weighed down by stress, anxiety, life, grief, trauma. Lord, I pray that you would lift them up. Lord, ultimately, I pray that you'd lift them up with the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that Jesus came and bled and died for them, and that he's working all things out for their good, even when it doesn't feel like it. Lord, you are with the brokenhearted, and we just pray that they would feel your peace today. Lord, we love you, and we praise you. It's in your name we do this podcast and everything else. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for today's reading, friends. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I found it very rich and enlightening, and I hope you did as well. And I also hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.